to the Innovation Ramble, the second half of the torture episode. Um, hopefully the first half hasn't put you off too much. And we're going to dive into some um, interesting innovations now in the world of torture. I'm going to lead off with, uh, a, an actually we featured before on the show, called okay. the Amnesty Stop app. There are quite a few apps out there for um, helping with kind of domestic violence and, and with kidnapping. Um, and this Amnesty Stop app is probably the one that's closest in terms of torture. And it's a, it's a, an app that you would download if you were working or living in a, a, a dangerous part of the world where maybe kidnappings could happen. Um, you have the app installed on your phone. Uh, and in order, if you were to be kidnapped, you could simply use the app to send a message by um, rapidly pressing, pressing on the power button. Uh, I don't think the app needs uh, even needs to be running. Um, it can be in the background and, oh, and, right. and, and listening okay, for that brilliant. power button, so you don't need to go and start it. You just tap that button five times, you feel a vibration, and that will send out a kind of a pre-written message to um, individuals on your contact list, plus also your location, so they know where and when you've been kidnapped. So it's one of the things I notice, normally when we look at a subject and got drill down into it, you can you find lots of preventative measures, but there just haven't really been that many things that have come across that, you know, there's not really going to be that many apps that are going to get you out of a torture situation, I guess. No. Um, the other one was a, there was a, a, ch a child's watch called My Philip that somebody created because um, he lost his four-year-old Spanish son on the beach. It has geolocation, so if your kid, if you set the geofence and they walk out of that area on the beach, then you'll, you'll get a message. But on that as well, the kids were able to um, press the screen and it would cycle through five um, contacts until it actually made contact with someone so they could talk to them. And I guess that one of the real tragedies is that a lot of torture happens in developing countries and, and often a lot of people in developing countries aren't necessarily going to have like cool smartphone technology that will you know, get them out of situations. So the, the reality is it's very difficult to rescue someone from torture when it's actually happening. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. You know, the likely individuals who've got this app are going to be, you know, iPhone five and six users. So they're going to be. It's a, it's the first world individuals who are probably in yeah. the third world. So, you know, for the for the vast majority of people at the at the sharp end, there's really not that much that can be done. And one of the reasons that there are so many people being being tortured now is because governments are finding ways to, to do it legally and okay. this kicked off hugely after 9-11 so um, it, before 9-11 the American administration admitted that it didn't believe torture worked um, then when 9-11 kicked off one of the reasons they kept prisoners in Guant Guantanamo Bay was because they were outside of the US and, and therefore not subject to the US constitution and so they could, uh, could practice some um, nefarious um, you know, uh, activities on on these individuals, and actually, that that's that Bush administration was, by a lot of uh, a lot of people's feeling, was very uh, cheeky about the way that they approached. Cheeky, cheeky probably a bit of an understatement. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I saw that um, in the same interrogations that they used psychologists to kind of justify what it was they were doing. If there was a psychologist there, yeah. then it kind of that was almost the, the excuse or the get out of jail card. Um, and the interesting thing about the psychologists that if they said to a psychologist, well, look, you're going to interrogate some people who are potentially very dangerous to the nation, you know, would you be okay with you know, extreme methods of interrogation? And the 
the feedback was yes. But then actually when you put that psychologist in behind a, a, a one-way mirror, uh, looking at the person being tortured, it became, it changed. And then finally, like if you're put next to that person being tortured or interrogated, then actually it changes a lot. And I, I think that's a fascinating thing about torture is you're, you're, the, the closer you are to it, the, the, the amount of people that can actually still not object to it kind of reduces a lot. I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? You know, it's so, um, so, you know, extreme, um, such an extreme practice that, you know, getting closer is going to be very scary. And arguably the strongest form of torture is, is a mock execution. Um, it's, it's when individuals feel that there is that, that they're going to die and that's why waterboarding there's been such a big fury about waterboarding because that is mock execution um and uh it, you know it's been used you know across the world in recent years um openly as a as a method to extract information and this is ridiculous so a friend of mine who will remain nameless said they were getting drunk and having this barbecue garden party and so they decided to waterboard each other just, <laughs> just yeah. Just, for, just to see what it was like, because it doesn't actually kill you, but just yeah. feels like you're gonna die. So, I might, but it's what you're saying before. There's this Hollywood glamorization Absolutely. of torture. That you know, 24. There was yeah. sort of the constant torture scenes in there, and I think that there was a, a point where the uh, producers of 24 were contacted by the military to say, could you tone down the yeah. images of torture in 24? Because the troops were seeing that as like an aspirational act of heroism. So they were taking that into foreign conflict as that being a kind of macho, proud thing you can do for Uncle mm. Sam. But actually what we're seeing is that it doesn't really work. So torture as we, as we know it now doesn't work. Um, there is no scientific evidence that, 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 that proves that you get the kind of information that you're after. And if you think about it for a minute, um, and, and, and especially if you've listened to previous rambles, then it kind of, it does make sense because you, if you're sleep depriving somebody and then you're putting them under, um, you know, pain, we know that um, sleep affects memory recall. And, and, and how well you, your brain functions. And once you bring pain into the equation as well, and you've got all kinds of neurons firing, so it's no surprise that um, when put under duress and without any sleep, individuals will, will basically say anything. They'll say what they want the interrogator to hear, which isn't necessarily the information that they were, that, 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 that's the truth. So there's a big question about whether you actually get real information about it. Um, and um, what I think Homeland is doing on TV is that they have they've changed the way they show their torture and it's much more rapport based and actually this is arguably the future of torture you know we've come thousands of years very much focused on physical torture and actually torture the innovation of torture is moving more more mental in terms of how we would you know would torture individuals but also how we can get the information that we want and there's a, a, a brilliant second world war uh, pioneer in this area a Luftwaffe officer called uh, Hans Scharf and Hans had a completely different technique he wouldn't get the the um, you know, burning irons out and, and scold people he came in and told long meandering detailed stories to um, British fighter pilots and, and navigators that were captured and and while he was doing that gave gave those captees the opportunity to either correct him, you know, directly or, um, or explicitly, um, and he would be monitoring their micro-expressions and, and, and looking for their reaction to the facts that he'd inserted into the story. So he told these long meandering stories, he built rapport, and actually was very successful at, at, at about getting um, the information he needed from individuals.
So we've looked back in this episode about you know some of the kind of weird and wacky tortures back in the the Middle Ages, which mm. essentially involved just mutilating people's uh, more tender areas in a variety of different ways. Yeah. And but it hasn't gone away. And my worry, although I can't prove this, is torture is one of those things that, when it gets made public, is really just the tip of the iceberg, and it's a very real problem in a, a large number of countries. And and the reality is, with you know Guantanamo Bay and the UK's involvement of that, that it's the likelihood is that a lot of that could be still happening on these shores. Yeah, definitely. I watched a fantastic Ken Roth. Um, video on, on YouTube. It was at the Chicago um, hum, Human Rights Festival, I think, and he he was asked that question as well. You know, what are the by a young lady in the audience? You know, torture is the tip of the iceberg, and it's the systemic social issues that lead to torture that that kind of need to be addressed. So, you know, the um, imbalance of wealth, um, education, you know, terror across the world. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's gonna go gonna go away any any time soon. And actually, in terms of you know where I see the future of torture. Um, I think we're gonna what we're gonna see is an increased focus uh, and, and smart torture. So fewer people being tortured, um, um, but tortured in, in new ways. So the absolute numbers are likely to shrink. Um, and you might say, well, it's just the nasty people are getting tortured, but that's not the point. We, you know, it, the prohibition of of torture should be absolute. But as we become more extreme as a species, I think the 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 way that we go about torture is going to be um, more 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 specified and we're going to start to see more kind of scientific psychological use of it to get the information we want um, I wonder also if the, the part that society and social has to, to to play in here you know we've seen a, a big rise recently in degrading behavior being shamed out of our culture publicly by what's going on online um, and certainly there are individuals who are starting to share some of their um, recently, a mother of two who left with a black eye shared her, a video of her of her kind of torture, her domestic violence at home, and that was shared by watched by over two million people in in, in just fifteen hours. So maybe social and social media has a way to uh, um, to, to help. And then finally, um, the changing nature of torture. So you know we're fast moving from this kind of mental torture to sort of physical to, to mental world. Um, no doubt. Definitions are going to be tightened. So as we get better lawyers, we're going to be we're going to become better torturers. Um, and and then what about the future of, um, of of human cyborgs and and transhumanism? You know, um, once once you've got um, artificial limbs, then what are the rules around um, you know a, a, a attacking or damaging or, or hurting you know artificial limbs? Because one of the things that um, President Bush the second tried to bring in was torture it's only torture if it's equivalent to the pain of death or losing an organ well what about if um you know i've got an, an artificial calf what are the what are the rules around torturing that i'll you have a unique ability to squeeze transhumanism into, <laughs> into any topic. so to finish off for me article four of the european charter of fundamental rights clearly states no one shall be subjected to torture or inhuman or degrading treatment or punishment uh, but as i said earlier Torture still exists in 141 countries. Uh, and also, this year was the London Arms Fair again. Uh, and in previous years, the Amnesty has reported on them selling torture equipment. So, Amnesty have been very innovative in the way that they've tried to counteract it. So, they've created a, an amusing video about the London Arms Fair. So, this is what it sounds like. The London Arms Fair is returning to the XL London. Since 2005, 
visitors have been offered guns, tanks, and horrific killer drones. You may also find offers of illegal torture equipment, ankle-shattering leg irons, cluster bombs, and electric stun batons that cause excruciating pain but leave no trace. Ooh, wow. It's right on your doorstep, just off the A13 near Dagenham. Come along. It's a truly great day out for all. Supported by the UK government. Visit tortureonyourdoorstep.co.uk to find out more. So, uh, interesting, unique take on a, a YouTube strategy yeah. to raise awareness. But if you want to do your bit to help end torture and the sale of torture equipment, then you can write to, check this out, the Secretary of State for Business, Innovation and Skills. This is where the responsibility lies, ironically. And if you go to this link, which is bit.ly, so bit.ly forward slash ramble1, so it's bit.ly forward slash ramble1, that will take you through to the page on Amnesty's website where you just put in your email address, press send, and it will send a email to the Secretary of State for Business. So we, you know, we like to turn innovation into action, and I, you know, I think there's been we've highlighted some contemporary tragedies. Uh, so let's all do our bit and just you know put the pressure on the government to stop selling torture equipment in the UK. Yeah, it's a good find, a good share. And let's do some shout-outs, CSEs. Yes. Woo! <laughs> we had a lovely bowl of granola this morning. We did um, some fantastic coffees at the Europe's longest champagne bar. Uh, thanks again to Christina Lai. Uh, we're going to be doing some interesting stuff on the Blab platform with Christina coming up, so keep an eye out for that on we Twitter, yep. at InnoVRumble. Yep, and thanks to Lucky Elephant for our fantastic uh, music. James Love Harrison guys. for the photography. And also, shout out to Charlie. Yeah, you know, if you're a friend of the show, you know we've been trying to crack the Eurostar nut. Charlie's come on board to try and uh, bring a bit more of a sledgehammer to it, so keep your ears peeled. Yeah, so yeah, one of our friends and listeners like rang up Eurostar and it might have sealed us that gig. We hope, let's, we hope. Let's see. Um, so next week, the subject is conspiracy. It week is, two of the dark side of innovation it is indeed and um, if you were to head on to iTunes and sound us out and give us a five star rating that wouldn't be a con conspiracy uh, and if you're looking for previous episodes of the show head over to uh, theinnovationramble.com brilliant cool that's it uh, no quotes <laughs> totally forgot about that oops no quotes this week we're, we're, we're back on back on the horse so to speak um, conspiracy next week